How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. For the next two weeks, we're going to focus on the NFL and the Super Bowl. We've got a few great guests lined up for you this week. Eric Dickerson, Hall of Fame running back. He played 11 NFL seasons for the Rams and the Colts. Played for the Raiders, too. He's ninth on the all-time rushing list, 13,259 yards. He has a new book out, Watch My Smoke, the Eric Dickerson story. He also set the single-season rushing record. It still stands today. This was set back in 1984, 2,105 yards. We're going to hear from Eric Dickerson. We'll talk about his career, his book what he's doing post-career, and he's an ambassador for the Rams, and they're in the Super Bowl. So we'll talk to Eric Dickerson on our show this week. Also, John Oran, our friend, sports media reporter for the Sports Business Journal, co-host of the Marshand and Oran podcast. Lots going on with the sports media, specifically NBC has the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics coming up. We'll dig into some sports media topics with John Oran. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good and uh, fun show always this time of year with Super Bowl and uh, big NFL playoff stuff. So two great guests. I mean, Eric Dickerson, like, hello, big time star. And John's always solid, too. So great show today. All right. The Super Bowl matchup is set. It's certainly not one that anyone envisioned, especially the Cincinnati Bengals at the beginning of the year. I mean, I've seen them anywhere from 6,000 to one to 4,000 to one. I mean, they were not on anyone's radar to get to the Super Bowl. So 
Uh, this is a surprise. Joey Burrow, in only his second season, has taken the Bengals to the Super Bowl. So uh, they're going to play the Rams. And Griggs, for the second year in a row, the team, the home team, is hosting the Super Bowl, essentially. Last year it happened with Tampa, and this year it's happening with the Rams, and it's in brand new SoFi Stadium. So uh, Bengals, Rams will have plenty to say about you know, all the Super Bowl spots and how much those cost and everything on next week's edition of Sports Business Radio. And also my guest next week, Peter O'Reilly, the head of events for the NFL. He's in charge of running the Super Bowl. He comes on this show annually and he really takes us behind the scenes for the planning and logistics of the Super Bowl. We'll do that next week and we'll break down all the other things around the Super Bowl, the sports gambling and all that kind of stuff. So uh, looking forward to that show. Yeah, and the sports gambling is just getting more and more. So that's a huge, huge avenue into uh, you know the backstory of Super Bowl and everything that Peter's going to talk about. So that's going to be fun. And I do have to point out, before the playoffs, we chose our surprise teams, and Cincinnati was one of my surprise teams. So I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, uh, you did very, very well there. I think the Niners were one of my surprise teams, and I didn't fare as well. Um, so yeah, you you nailed the Bengals, and you know Joey Burrow, he did it at LSU. Can he do it? In the NFL. I mean, that would be pretty remarkable in his second season in the NFL, really his first overall season because he got injured in his rookie season, taking the Bengals to the Super Bowl. So, you know, they've been road warriors and we'll see what they can do. But, you know, it's going to be exciting. Cincinnati hasn't been in the Super Bowl in 33 years, so their fans are going to travel well. Um, the Rams are hosting. You've got all kinds of celebrities in Los Angeles. So this is going to be one of the most expensive Super Bowl tickets ever. And again, we'll talk about that with Peter O'Reilly on our show next week. The other big news of the week, Griggs, is he retiring or isn't he? Tom Brady supposedly is going to retire. This is according to Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington of ESPN. The news broke on Saturday and a lot of people are wondering, like, is he going to stick around and play one more year? Or is this it for Tom Brady? What do you think? You know, uh, when we were texting Saturday when this broke, uh, the big thing that just shocked me is, is Brady actually going to retire on a loss? And it just, that doesn't seem right to me. So I just don't know. I mean, it's, it's retirement gate. Here we go. 2022. The other thing is I'm a big Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, Larry David. Larry David opened a spite coffee shop, a spite store, as they called it on the show. Would Tom Brady spite ESPN and everyone for announcing his retirement before he had the chance to announce it and come back for one more year just to spite everyone. Wouldn't that be interesting? But Brady's a guy like LeBron, like Tiger, who likes to announce things on his own platforms, on his own terms. And this did not happen that way at all. So you really wonder, you know, what's going to happen here with uh, how this is going to end. Many people think that he is actually going to retire the news broke early. He didn't get to control the message um, and he'll control it, you know, on his terms at some point. But gosh, uh, you know, we'll have to see. I Look, he's going to be 45, but he basically was the MVP of the NFL this last year. He threw for over 5,000 yards. He had more touchdown passes than any other quarterback. He's still playing at a high level. And I know you want to go out on top, but I agree with you, Griggs. I thought he'd go out after a Super Bowl victory. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back for one more year and tried to end on that high note. Either that or why didn't you leave after you won your seventh and, and you know, walk off the field then? 
Yeah, he's just such a competitive guy and the goat and so good still. I just just it just doesn't seem right that he's going to leave on that on that last loss. But, you know, you never know. And like you said, this is going to be the, the story of 2022 uh, until he makes the move and makes the call on his own platforms. So, yeah, we're all waited uh, on bated breath to see what happens. All right. Next week, you and I will make our Super Bowl picks. We're not going to do that this week. And I want to let our audience know that Sports Business Radio is presented by Roan. The official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio, Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on active, balanced, and purpose-driven life. I love their clothing. Uh, I got to tell you, here's some of my favorite pieces that I'm wearing right now. The Guru Pant. I've got the black Guru Pant. This is like not a jogger, which I love the jogger. It's not like sweatpants. It's something that's a little bit nicer that you can wear out. I just love the fact that I can wear these clothes anywhere and I'm super comfortable. I've got the Delta Peak polos going in my closet right now. And I just picked up the Gramercy Tech pullover, which is really warm, but also looks nice. I was at a press conference recently and I wore it to the press conference with uh, another shirt underneath that was Roan. So if you want to get in on some great clothing, visit Roan.com. That's R-H-O-N-E.com and enter the promo code SBR20, like Sports Business Radio 20, SBR20, to save 20% at checkout. So Griggs, I know you've got some Roan clothing too, and uh, we're loving our new partnership with them. Yeah, it's been great. And I think one of the things I love too about the pants, I got some sweatpants and joggers and they're just so breathable. Like you can, you don't get sweaty and hot and all sticky in it. You're nice and cool and uh, you can wear them all day. I love them. All right. Eric Dickerson, Hall of Fame running back. He holds the NFL single season rushing record that he set in 1984. The running back position certainly has changed. We're going to catch up with Eric Dickerson next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Eric Dickerson, Hall of Fame running back. He played 11 NFL seasons with the Rams and the Colts. He's ninth on the all-time rushing list with 13,259 yards and only 146 games. He holds the NFL single-season rushing record, which he set in 1984, 2,105 yards. He's the author of the new book, Watch My Smoke, the Eric Dickerson story. You can follow him on social media at Eric Dickerson. Eric, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it, man. So, all right. I always wanted to ask you this question, so I'm going to start with this. You have one of the most distinct running styles of any running back ever <laughs> in the NFL, the upright running, but boy, did it work for you. Where'd that come from, man? <laughs> I said all the time. Hey, man, it was, that's just how I ran. I mean, that's just how I ran the ball. I, I ran track, and uh, I just felt more comfortable running straight up. I mean, I really did, and People think I ran when I ran the football when I came through the holes. I was not straight up. I always lean. You had to lean, but but I'm so tall. It looks like I'm running straight up. Now when I got in the open field, that's what people noticed the most. But it was just a it was a God given talent. It was it was God. You know that was, that's just that's just how I ran. And my son, he's nine years old. He runs just like me. Oh wow, that's great. Does he want to play football too? Well, he loves just what I love. He loves track and he loves football. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play football. He's extremely fast. I mean, if he wants to play, I'd let him play, but I would most definitely tell him. I tell him right now, 
Look, it's, it's a dangerous sport. He plays flag. I don't let him play tackle yet. And, uh, you know, he wants to go out and play. I would never stop him, but I would just explain to him, you know, the dangers of playing, playing, playing football, period. You're 61 years old now. You're on your way to the golf course. How's your body feeling? Uh, like a like a 61 year old football player. <laughs> <laughs> beat up, beat up. You know, I mean, I mean, I, look, man, I have good days and bad days. I really do. You know, some days um, when I get up out of bed, I'm I'm, I'm okay. Uh, most of the time, I have to get up in the middle of the night and try to go to the bathroom. I'm, I'm lifting, you know, walking real slow. Uh, people say I look like I can still play, like I can still run. I can't run like that anymore. But uh, you know, it's still a it's a it's, it's a struggle sometimes. It really is. I mean, I just got to be honest. It's, it's not great all the time. Do you think they're doing enough now in today's NFL to protect the players, or is there still more that needs to be done, or is it just hey, if you play football, you're gonna you're gonna hurt post career? You know, right now I've got I, I have to give them credit, and I call I, I call it like I see it. I, I think they're doing as much as they possibly can do right now to help the players. You know, when you're playing football right now. You know, people say, oh, you know what you're getting into? You have no idea what you're getting into when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. That's like telling a guy going to going to, to war, to Vietnam back in the day, that you knew exactly what you're getting into. You have no idea what you're going to get into. And I know it's a big difference in war and football, but you don't. I mean, you're, you're young. You know, you, you, don't, you don't think about getting hurt. You know, you don't think about, you know, you don't ever think about getting old. You know, you just think about, I, lo- I love the sport and I love playing, but I've got to say for now, they do, they do a lot better because, you know, they have these protocols. Because when we got hit in the head, it was like, hey, you know, come to the sideline. Oh, you got to dig. You go back and play. And it, sometimes you play a, a, a full game and not remember even playing the game. So <laughs> that shows you it's a big difference. Wow. All right. Your book is out. Watch My Smoke, the Eric Dickerson story. Why was now the time to write the book? You've been retired for a while. Why was now the time? You know, I just felt like... Uh, the story really would resonate right now. I mean, I, I've, I've had the manuscript, some manuscripts written years ago. And, you know, when I, my friend Gustavo Miguel was the one who kind of pushed me into to do it with uh, the writer Greg Hanlon because he, he read uh, a, a, a book that Greg had written on. He said a very boring topic. He said, and he made it very interesting. So I said, I think this is the guy we should, we should use. So when I talked to Greg and, you know, told him some of the stories and he's like, Eric, I think it'd be a great book. Um, Right now, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, we're in a, we're in a different world than we were back in the 1980s, the 90s, even the early 2000s. And I just think it was the right time. And, and everybody that I know that have, written, have read the book says, Eric, man, it's, it's an it's a easy read. It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff I didn't know. And, and, and I think it's a great book. So it, it makes me happy. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the book. I'm proud of everything in it. You know, and, and like I said, I'm not, I'm, it's nothing made up in that book. I'm not making up no stories. I'm not embellishing on anything. That is exactly what happened to me in my life. Not just as an NFL football player, as, as, a, as a young black man, young black kid in the state of Texas, you know, playing college football in college, you know, and just my life. Do you feel like when you were playing, you were misunderstood? You know, I hate the word misunderstood. You know, I, I hate that word. I, I think I was, I think I was prejudged, a judge wrong because people, because people make judgment calls. You know, misunderstood is like you misunderstood something that was said or something. You know, I was I was always prejudged. You know, and and you know one thing I, I was taught. My dad taught me this. He said, "You don't judge anyone because you know God does the judge, and I don't judge anyone. I like to meet a person in person to 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 see how that person really is." Mm-hmm. It happened a, it happened a couple of days ago. It was a guy, and he said, "Oh yeah," and I won't say the guy. Oh man, I heard he's an ass, and I heard him talking about it. He's an ass, and I asked him. I said, "You ever met the guy?" 
He said, no, nah, but my friend Bob, I'm just using the my name, my friend Bob, I said, so how well do you know Bob? Well, I don't know Bob. I said, well, see right there. I said, that's the problem. I said, that same thing happened to me. You're talking about something you don't know about. You don't really know Bob, but Bob says that so-and-so is like this. So you're taking Bob's word. I said, have you ever met the guy? No, I haven't met the guy. So I said, right there. And and that, that, that happened a lot in my case. I mean, look, when I played professional football, it was different, it was a different time. I mean, you know, they were they weren't paying the players right. I mean, I was never paid right with the Rams. And I was made out to be a villain. Like I'm just trying to get all this money. All I was just trying to get was paid 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 right. You know, I thought I thought I was right and I knew I was right. But, you know, like I say, that was in the eighties and now, you know, the year is, you know, twenty twenty two. In your book, you go hard at the NCAA, and I don't disagree with you one bit, Eric, but now they've got name, image, and likeness. A lot of people say that's still not enough. If you were the czar of the NCAA in college athletics, do you pay the players? Yes. Yes, you do pay the players because the, the players are, are making the university billions of dollars. Right. I mean, and I'm not saying you got to give them a, like, you're not paying them $100,000 or something like that. I mean, I'm not saying that you got to be something like that. But those players, they, they deserve something. They deserve it. That That's what makes these universities go. The football team. It's not the basketball team. In some schools it is, but mostly football team. It's, it's not the track team. It's not the baseball team. It's not the girls' soccer. Nothing against girls' soccer, but let's just be honest. It's football. I mean, University of Alabama. What do you think about the University of Alabama? You think it's, you think it's men's baseball? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's football. You know? And that's just, that's just how it is. I just feel like it. The NCAA have gotten away so long, so long with with exploiting kids and 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 making them pay for for, for stuff that they're, they're young they young kids eighteen and nineteen years old a lot of them are black kids black poor kids don't have anything just like just like me I mean we didn't have we didn't have we didn't have a lot we weren't dirt poor we didn't have a lot I'm just trying to help my mother that's it I mean and that's what that's a lot of these kids trying to do is trying to help their mother off of a a skill. That they have, that they're gonna have for a short period of time, but you have to, you get judged, and you get, and you get penalized for it. Or back then, you did. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and and have said on this show for a long time that the players should be paid. And you know, when the NCAA manual was written back in the '60s and '70s, it wasn't a multi-billion-dollar industry like it is now. Most definitely, you're right. I think if you read the the manual about the NCAA and, and how it was written. I think even the guy who wrote it said it's a form of, I mean, I'm just going to call it slavery. It's almost like an indentured servant is what it's like. <laughs> and that's what it, that's almost what it's like. And it's, it's black kids, white It's not just all black. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not even about the color. I don't care if it was all Hispanic kids. It was all black. It was all Asian. But it, and luckily it's all, it's all, all race. That's what sports is all. That's the great thing about sports. It's not about what color you are. It's about the team color you wear. That's what I love about sports. We don't care anything about your, your skin color. It's about if you're a tiger, if you're a ram, if you're a lion, that's what it comes down to. Eric, the Los Angeles Rams are in the Super Bowl. I'm sure that's exciting to you. You're an ambassador for the Rams now, right? Yeah, yeah, I work, I work for the team. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be part of the, the organization. Uh, the organization came a long way since I played football. Uh, I'm very happy that, that we, we made it to the Super Bowl because – you know, a lot of guys heard me talk about Matt Stafford, and so I kept saying he's the right guy to help us, with, you know, lead 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 our team to the Super Bowl. I see they're missing that one piece for for a couple of years, uh, and you know, I'm not saying I'm like I'm right, but I tried to tell. I said I'm, I kept telling y'all, you know, we just needed that guy back there, and he's the right guy. 
you know, for to help lead this team to the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl victory. You know what's so interesting about the running back position is other than like a Derrick Henry, there's no like primary running back anymore. I mean, you look at the Rams and you see Sony Michelle, you see Cam Akers. There's a few different running backs. When you played, you were getting the ball 35, 40 times a game. It was a totally different position. What do you think of the changes to the running back position since you played? Well, you know, I think a lot of guys, they don't want to run the ball that much. We like running the football. You have some guys who are built like that. Like I was built for that. I mean, I love running the football. I didn't, it didn't bother me if I ran 35 times a day and 35 times next week. I was good with that. Um, and that's how our era was. You know, you had to have a running, but you had to have a running game. Today, everything is made up of the passing game. And which I think in some cases, it can cost you. And I, and I'll use an example. I think it cost Kansas City yesterday. I think it cost them their game, getting away from the running game. When you run the football, it changes everything. Matter of fact, I asked Lawrence Taylor and I asked Bruce Smith this question about three months ago. I said, man, let me ask you a question. Because he was talking about the running game. I said, let me ask you this. I said, so if you played a football game, how would you like it if they didn't run the ball one time? <laughs> it's funny. Both of them said it at the same time. Not one time, not one run. <laughs> I said, not one run. No jet sweep. He said, oh, man, we'd love that. He said, we'd love it. He said, we like it when they run it like five or six times. He said, but not at all. He said, that would be that would be like Christmas because now all they have to do is rush that quarterback. We ain't got to worry about nobody running the football. And today, I mean, you, you've heard these, these guys get on TV, these so-called specialists or gurus and, oh, you don't need a running back. You, you know, you just need a quarterback and you throw the football. Now, when it comes down to, 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 to real game time, I use San Francisco for, for, for example. When they went up to Green Bay and beat Green Bay, I said that they will beat the Packers. I said, because this is a running football team. They play great defense. And I said that they don't have to have their quarterback beat them, beat, beat, beat the, the Packers. And sure enough, no matter how it came out, special teams, whatever, but they end up winning that game because they're going to they gonna stick to their running game. So if you're, you know, the Rams have Matthew Stafford, they've got Cooper Cup, they've got OBJ, but they do have a pretty good running game there too for the Super Bowl. How do you think they should mix it up? You got to mix it up. You said the key word. You got to mix it up. You you got to mix it. I mean, when you watched uh, Cincinnati yesterday, Cincinnati started running the football. With Joe Mixon, even mm-hmm. though they were behind, they never got away from the running. That running game eats up the clock. It wears down the defense. Defenses do not. Defensive players don't like making tackles. They don't like they don't like chasing those guys. I mean, fighting the guy after them trying to make a tackle. You know, I think that the guys who never put on a uniform don't realize that. But guys who play this play the game, they know. They man, like, man, I don't want to play against a running football team. Give me a passing football team all day. So you only played 146 games, Eric. And I remember when you retired, you know, most people kind of like Barry Sanders or even Jim Brown, they were like, wow, he seems like he has a lot left in the tank. I mentioned earlier, you're in the top 10 all time in, in rushing. You did it in the fewest number of games of anyone in the top 10. Why didn't you play longer? Uh, I had a neck injury. I hurt my neck. Um, uh, when I was with the Raiders, and you know, like 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 most NFL teams back then, they lied to you. They don't tell you how how serious the injury really is. And then when I found out, uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, that next year the doctor told me he said, Eric, out not not the team doctor. I went to a specialist, Doctor Watkins in L.A. And he said, I guess he said, I'm gonna tell you, he said, not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. He said, if you keep playing pro football, he said, you're gonna die on the field. He said, you're gonna be paralyzed from the neck down. And that was it. Wow. 
Do you think if you played in today's age, you know, I look at someone like Peyton Manning who had a serious neck injury and he was able to play a little bit longer. Do you think maybe you would have been able to continue or was that enough to scare you and go, you know what? I'm not even taking the risk. Well, it's a different position. You know, quarterbacks, they don't take the hits that we take. I mean, you're using the neck and head, shoulders almost on every run. So, no, I couldn't, even in the days that NFL, I couldn't have played. Uh-uh. Now, if I was 22, 23 years old and not have no injuries, oh, I would kill it. I would, I would kill it today. If I just give me a good <laughs> I would kill it. Um, these guys don't want to tackle. I mean, I would kill it. Well, think about the money and how that's changed. You alluded to that earlier in this conversation, you know, that you wanted to get paid more and, and look at the money that's handed out today. Look, people think that, you know, they put this stigma that I played for the money. I played because I love the sport. I love football. I loved everything about it at one point. I mean, everything. I used to say once when I was young, I said I'd play for free if somebody just paid all my bills. That's how much I love that sport. And by the end, they made me hate a sport that I love so much, which is which is a travesty because a lot of players feel that way. But yes, the money is fantastic now. I mean, it wouldn't be a problem with the money, and I I'd be playing a sport that I just I just loved. I mean, I I adored everything about football, even though the physicality of it. I didn't know how how it was going to beat my body up. I had no clue. You know, we didn't they didn't know anything about CTE. We didn't know anything about it. even concussion. I didn't know what a concussion was until I got into pros and I got one in college. And that's not even my first couple of years. That was probably my like fifth year when I knew what a concussion was. So, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things that you don't know that people assume you know. Or, oh, you know, how would you know? I mean, you're 23, you're 22 years old. What would you know? You're, you're a kid. When you look at the training now that takes place, I mean, they're monitoring people's heartbeat and, you know, are they going to get injured during practice? Maybe we need to pull them out of practice. The uh, diet that a lot of the players have, like they're just looking at so much more of the mental and physical health of athletes today. It's, 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 that's, that, that's, that's a great thing. You know, I got to say it really is because we didn't have that. We didn't have bad, bad coaches and, you know, all these uh, sports facilities to go to. Oh, look, football back in those days, you get, your, get an ice bucket, get your bag of ice, or get in the heat, or get in a whirlpool. That was it. Or, or, get, a, or get a rub down. I'm just being honest. That was it. That was the extent of it. You know, get out there and stretch for like 15 minutes or 10 minutes, if that. Okay, let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get the full contact. That's how it worked. And it was full contact. It was tackling and everything in practice. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, now yeah. that would never happen. Oh, man, you can't touch them. That would never happen. I think they can't. They can only go in helmets, I mean, so many times a week, so many times during the season. We were full pads uh, the whole year. Wow. All right, I want to talk to you about some of your uh, off-the-field interests. We mentioned Watch My Smoke, your new book that's out. I'm watching the game yesterday, NFC Championship, and who do I see running down the street doing a sleep number commercial but <laughs> Eric Dickerson? I, I like it. How, how do you pick your partners that you want to work with for uh, business endorsements? Well, you know, I've been fortunate. I mean, I've had some really good partners. I mean, look, my thing is that I'm not looking to do just a a, a quick deal, like a one-shot hit. I mean, I, I like to have a long relationship because, you know, I know the kind of person I am. I mean, if you ask me to do something for you, if I'm working for you, I'm going to give it 100%. I'm going to be there on time. You know, I'm going to be punctual. I'm going to be polite. I mean, that's just how I was brought up. And uh, I was happy to do the Sleep Number commercial because I'm going to tell you one thing about Sleep Number is I don't, I don't sleep well at night. I really don't. I mean, I've as I play football, I just don't sleep well. Um, but man, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get an endorsement for the mattress. Man, that is one comfortable mattress. I mean, I've got to say it. I mean, I thought it was, eh, I said, ah, it's going to be like one of the other mattresses I've had before that they, they I've had. 
But I can honestly say <laughs> that is one comfortable ass mattress. Really, it really is. Yeah, I, I don't have one myself, but I've heard nothing but good things about Sleep Number. So, uh, you know, that's great that you're working with them. You do speaking engagements as well. When you go and talk to people for speaking engagements, what are the topics you're usually covering? It depends what they want me to talk about. I mean, you know, because, you know, business and sport is, sports is pretty much all the same. I mean, because business is nothing but a sport in a sense because you have, you have a team and you have to try to work with your team. And uh, you have good members on the team. You have lazy members on the team, just like in football. You have you have outstanding players. You have outstanding business people. I mean, and it's, it's no different. When I talk to young young athletes and young kids, I talk to them, maybe it's a, different, it's a different subject because I think every young athlete thinks that they're going to be in the NFL. They're going to be this thing. I went to an event in Seattle many years ago, about five years ago, maybe maybe six or eight years ago. There was these kids, and it was was all the the top players in the state of of Seattle, Washington. About I don't know thirty of them in the room, and they were at this this at this sports complex. And they asked me to say something. I said, "Sure." So I asked him. I said, "Man, I said, uh, you know, congratulations to all you guys. Y'all are number 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 whatever they call. At our time, they were called blue chip players. I don't know what they call them now. I don't know what they call them now. But he said, you know." All you guys are the best, you know, linebackers, running back, offensive linemen. I said, let me ask you a question, you guys. I said, how many of you guys think y'all going to play in the NFL? It was so funny. All of them raised their hands. I said, man, I said, I'm, I'm a, I don't need to break it to y'all. But in this room, out of 30 of you guys, I said, maybe five of you may have a long career. Maybe two of you. I said, if you lucky, 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 maybe 10 of you. I said, no more than that. I said, I'm just, I said, you better get prepared for something else. I said, but, it's great that you're here. I say, enjoy your college life. When you go to college, go there and go to get you a good education because you're going to need that education. Because see, I tell them, I always tell kids, you're going to be an old man a lot longer than you're going to be a young man wearing that uniform. Yeah. And and I think a lot of kids, they, they don't get that. I mean, they really, it, it doesn't get it to you. Say it to them. And it was funny. One kid walked up to me and said, Mr. Dickerson, no one has ever said that. I've never thought about it like that. I said, I said, it's true, young man. I said, I said one day you're going to be just like me. I said, you're going to be a retired ex-football player, a retired guy, whatever. So you're going to be an older man. That's a great point because, you know, whatever, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, everyone thinks they're going to make it. The parents all think they're going to have the kid that goes pro. And and it is such a finite number of people that make it. You're right. You're right. That's it. It's It's such a small number that makes it. I mean, and look, I'd like to see every kid make it if they can. I really would. But... You know, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, you could be the best athlete in your in, in your college, the best. And, you know, you could be a number one draft pick. You might be lucky enough to be a number one draft pick, but that doesn't mean you're going to have a long NFL career. Some guys play three three years because they, they, they just don't get it. They just can't. They, they can't translate from college to pro. Some guys, uh, uh, average college players, average, get to pros, and they just like, wow, where did this guy come from? I mean, that's, that's just how it is. You were uber talented. Besides that, why did you have a long career in the NFL? What set you apart? Uh, first of all, I was blessed. I mean, uh, I can't like God, God gave me God gave, and I always say this, man. I, I really mean it. God gave me a talent second to no one's talent, and I'm not bragging when I say it. It's just the truth. I mean, I was big. I was six foot three. I was fast, and I mean fast. I could cut like a little guy. I mean, I was fearless. wasn't afraid to get hit. wasn't afraid of contact, and I wasn't injury prone. I mean, I really wasn't injury prone. So, for me, I mean, I had all the things that. And and and, and one thing, 
everything lined up perfectly. I mean, in a sense for me to play ball, because I mean, look, I came from a small town to Texas, 2,000 people. You know, I wasn't supposed to do that. Stuff like that don't happen for me. But I just say, I mean, I had the talent and I worked at it. It wasn't just like I didn't work. I worked hard at it. My best friend would always say, man, let me tell you something. Because he, he'll tell me, man, let's, let's work out. And not, 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 not as much now, but years ago. And he said, man, when you went in, I said, work out with you. He said, you take it to a whole different level. I said, I would tell, because I work out hard. I used to work out really hard to get in shape, get ready to play. All right, last question for you. I need the scouting report on your golf game. You're going to play golf right now. What's, what's Eric Dickerson's <laughs> golf game like? Man, hey, you know what, Brian? It just depends on what day, man. <laughs> the day, the, the, you, just, you just never know what it's going to be like on that day. So hopefully, if, you, if, I can, if I talk to you again, I'll tell you it's a good day. So, you know, uh, every, I'm, I'm a six handicap, but that don't mean I play like a six all the time. Sometimes I play like a 16, and sometimes I play like, who the hell is this guy playing? Eric Dickerson today. Well, that's if you were better than that, you'd be a pro, right? That's why. No, you, <laughs> no. <laughs> Eric Dickerson, Hall of Fame running back. Go get his book. It's a great read. Watch my smoke. The Eric Dickerson story. Follow him on social media at Derek, Eric Dickerson. Eric, you know, like I said, pleasure to have you on. Congrats on your book. Congrats on Sleep Number and all your other things you have going on. Go Rams! And uh, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Buecher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e-learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on-demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting. Your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand pause before you post, text, and email, and scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, visit opensesame.com and type in the words, everything is on the record in the search. That's opensesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, visit everythingisontherecord.com. That's everythingisontherecord.com. My guest is someone who's joined us on Sports Business Radio many times before. John Oran, the sports media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. He's the co-host of the new Marshand and Oran podcast, Sports Media. They cover all of it. John, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Anytime, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. I wanted to have you on because we've got some big events coming up sports media-wise. We've got Super Bowl 56 coming up, and then we've got the Winter Olympics. NBC has both of them. What can people look for with these two mega events from NBC? They can look for big, big audiences, Brian. The, the Super Bowl, of course, is going to get, regardless of the teams that are in there, is going to get probably around 100 million viewers. Cincinnati against Los Angeles might, might be a little bit shy of 100 million, but uh, it should still get around that. And all the headlines around the Winter Olympics are about how this is set up to be the lowest rated winter Olympics of all time, which it probably will be uh, significantly so as well. But one thing that you can bet on 
for NBC is that they're going to win the night in prime time for two and a half straight weeks, including the Super Bowl and including the Winter Olympics. So even though it's going to be a lot lower than Winter Olympics of the past, it's still going to provide like a, a, just a really, really big audience that NBC is able to sell off of, that sponsors are able to get their wares out and just shows the power of sports in uh, today's media environment. So with the commercials for Super Bowl on NBC, I've been reading, I think through you, that most of the spots have been sold out for months and that they may go for north of $6 million for a 30-second spot, which would be an all-time high for the Super Bowl. Isn't that incredible? They're able to do that because there is nothing else on television, not one thing that's going to even approach 100 million viewers. And so if you want to get your, your spot out there, this is the only place to do it. And so NBC and Fox next year and CBS the year after that, they're just going to be able to command really, really pretty penny for it. Do you think we're ever going to see that bubble burst? I mean, I remember several years ago, I was like, oh, my gosh, a million dollars for 30 seconds. And now we're talking about six million dollars. Are we ever going to get to a point where people go, you know what? I'm priced out of this. I just can't afford six million dollars. And that's just for the airtime. That's not even the cost of producing the ad. Yeah, going from a million to where we are now, I mean, that, that's almost not even a bubble, is it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, grown, it's grown so highly. Will it come back? It may come back. It depends on where it's, how uh, streaming takes over, the cord cutting, whether that happens even more rapidly than people are expecting, even though the Super Bowl is on over-the-air broadcast television. But one thing that the whole business has found out in the, um, in the cord-cutting environment is that live sports matter. Uh, it's the one thing – that's holding up the cable bundle. Everybody that's only interested in entertainment has already shed the cable bundle and have, have uh, become subscribers to Netflix or Disney Plus or HBO Max. If you're a hardcore sports fan or even if you're a casual sports fan, you still are part of the cable bundle. You're still watching ESPN and all of their linear channels, TNT, uh, your regional sports networks. And it's the one thing that's sort of holding up there. And for as long as that cable bundle can exist, and odds are it's going to exist for a pretty long time, even even if it might not be as strong as it is today, uh, you're going to see advertising there still command top dollar. Yeah, I saw in the last couple of weeks, I think you guys talked about it on your podcast, Netflix lost $50 billion off their market cap. So what does that say about the future of streaming? I mean, can you imagine 50 billion with a B, by the way, it, 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 it's uh, phenomenal. Uh, a lot of analysts have taken a look at that. Look, everybody thinks that there's going to be a lot of consolidation in streaming. Um, there are so many different streaming apps and, uh, and most people by most studies seem to get three, maybe at the most four, possibly five streaming um, services. But right now there's 10, more than 10 out there. And I think what they saw with the Netflix results, Netflix, they gained a lot of subscribers, but not as much as Wall Street was expecting. And so they, there's a big fear now in the financial markets that of all these streaming apps, consolidation is going to come a lot quicker than they were expecting. They're expecting uh, a lot of these services to get out there and grow and, and continue to, to gain subscribers and grow. And then, and then there will be some, uh, some consolidation, but they feel like it's going to come a lot quicker than they used to. So that's uh, that, that, that's uh, what I'm looking at there. 
Let's go back to NBC's Super Bowl coverage. So I think this is it for Al Michaels, right, with NBC. And, and you guys have talked about, you know, does he go to Amazon? Does he go somewhere else? Mike Tirico will step into his shoes. But as far as NBC's coverage of this Super Bowl is concerned, what can we expect? Yeah, this should be uh, – nothing has been announced officially yet, but this should be the swan song for for Al Michaels on NBC and, and Sunday Night Football. Maybe he'll stick around in, in, in terms of a, a couple of games here or there, but most likely he's uh, heading over to Amazon. I think both Andrew Marshian and I have put that right around 90%. That, that, wow. That, that's, where he's, uh, that's where he's headed. And uh, NBC, look, they've done this before. Uh, and I, I, what I'm going to be interested in, in watching is – uh, Mike Tirico, who is, of course, the host of um, the, the Olympics, is going to be traveling back from Beijing to, to host the, uh, the studio shows for, uh, for the Super Bowl and then flying back to Beijing to, to do that. So it, it, this is going to be different than any Super Bowl slash Olympics that NBC has had before. It's the first time it's sort of gone over, uh, overlapped each other in, in, in a meaningful way. And I'm going to be looking for the show coming out of the Super Bowl, always one of the most high, highest rated shows of the year, is not going to be a series that uh, that uh, NBC is going to be trying to get people to watch. It's going to be the Olympics and live Olympics. So they're going to really try to uh, to market the Olympics to try to get more viewers there because that's that's where there's a real soft spot right now. Now, for our listeners, with the Olympics, how much is going to be over the air on NBC and how much is going to be on Peacock, their streaming service? Uh, Peacock's going to have a, a, a lot of pretty much everything you want to see is going to be on Peacock. I mean, you're seeing this so much more now with uh, with streaming. You saw with ESPN and the Australian Open. You know, they they took took what had normally been on uh, over the air, not over the air, it's ESPN, but uh, terrestrial television, and put it on uh, on ESPN Plus, to where people had to pay extra in order to watch some of the overnight matches. You're, uh, that that's part of the playbook that TV networks are using now as they're rolling out these streaming services. So you're going to see a lot more on Peacock. NBC is still going to have their uh, primetime show on the broadcast channel. They're going to have live events during the day on the broadcast channel. There's no more NBCSN, NBC Sports Network, of course, closed on January 1st. So you're going to see more um, on, on USA, possibly CNBC as well. But if, if you want to see everything or if you're a particular fan of a niche sport, you're going to have to watch Peacock. How is Peacock service doing so far with subscribers? Uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, if you're an Xfinity subscriber, you get Peacock uh, anyway, sort of as part of your subscription. So that certainly gooses some of the numbers since uh, Xfinity and Comcast are, is the largest cable operator in, uh, in America. Uh, but it, it's doing okay. It's not doing as robust as some of the high flyers in, in the space like a uh, HBO Max or uh, Disney Plus slash ESPN Plus. Interesting. Yeah, I thought, you know, you mentioned ESPN Plus and the Australian Open. I mean, Rafael Nadal gets Grand Slam win number 21, and it was an incredible men's final. And I thought that was kind of one of the lost stories of the weekend because of all the NFL news that was breaking. Yeah, that's about the poor Australian Open. That's what happens most of the time, I think, with it. It's a, a, a bad time zone for uh, for American audiences. It, it's on. A, it's not really on broadcast network. It's on. It's on a cable network in, in ESPN, and you end up with some really good matches there. Big big time sports fans, not not hardcore tennis fans that of course know what's going on, but just casual sports fans. Sometimes they don't realize what's happening until you know the semifinals or the quarterfinals of that tournament. 
All right, a few minutes left. I want to ask you about the Tom Brady retirement news. Your partner, Andrew Marchand, tweeted out, right is greater than being first. And it's one of the rules of, of journalism. And Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington from ESPN put out a tweet that Tom Brady is going to be retiring after 22 seasons. And then, you know, it's like everyone was congratulating Brady on a great career, even TV 12 on social media. And then all of a sudden, a few hours later, everyone starts walking it back. ESPN didn't walk it back, but you know, you hear from Tom Brady senior and you hear from some other people and TB 12 deletes the tweet. What did you make of all of this on Saturday? Not so fast. Um, first of all, uh, uh, Schefter and Darlington are excellent reporters. Uh, I'm sure it's very well sourced. Uh, and I trust that I, I trust that even if Tom Brady's not saying as much now, I trust trust that they're going to end up being right uh, with, with this. I, I, I have that's part of the what reporters bring to the market. If you trust them, then you you can go with anonymous sources. That being said, uh, I found their story to be a little bit odd because it didn't uh, it didn't identify who Brady was talking to. Like Brady had told. Uh, former coaches or Brady had told former teammates or family, they just kind of got inside uh, Tom Brady's head and said like, this is what he's planning and this is why. And th- they didn't lead the viewer to do anything other than possibly they talked to Tom Brady or his uh, agent Yee. And, uh, and I, so we're left with a lot more questions based on not only the, the anonymous sourcing, but how they wrote it up as well. Uh, and so it's a, uh, I guess that they couldn't be based on who their sources were. I mean, maybe they, they had to be a little bit more opaque than usual on that. But as a reader, that that's what really left me wanting. Like, if I were writing that story, it'd be Tom Brady is talking to former te- has told former teammates that this is it or something along those lines. And, uh, and th- there wasn't really any of that in the story. Yeah. And the other thing is Tom Brady is someone much like LeBron James or Tiger Woods who wants to control the message. You know, you're going to roll out a big video or you're going to do something on social media, announcing it on your platforms and on your terms. And it just didn't seem like Saturday of conference championship weekend reported by someone else was the way Tom Brady would announce his retirement. No, but I will tell you what, the Schefter tweet has hundreds of thousands of, uh, of likes and retweets. And I actually, I guess it's in the millions now. It's uh so, so it, it certainly did get a lot of attention out there. And that's something that, that that's the push and pull. Like Tom Brady had an exclusive with himself and with TB 12 to get that out there. And somebody jumped the gun on him. I just don't know who, who the sources were or, or, or how they, they knew about this in, in terms of, you know, who, who he'd been talking to. Peyton Manning, Eli Manning on the Manning cast, Drew Brees to NBC, obviously Tony Romo, Troy Aikman. Does Tom Brady fit into the broadcast mix at some point? I mean, I'm sure he'd be great, but is it something you think he'd want to do? I, I have no inside knowledge on that, I, I, uh, on whether he would want to do it or not. I can tell you that if he decides to do it, he will have ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBC, Amazon, and whoever else lining up to try to talk to him to get him on their air. He's a uh, he's somebody that uh, you know he's good looking. He's uh, he's able to to speak well. He, he has uh, he's great on camera. There there would be no shortage of people that would be looking to to bring him on. 
And what do you think about the Manning cast? I know we've talked about it before, but I almost wonder, you know, they ESPN made it easier for them to do their thing because they can do it from home or their neighbor's garage or wherever they're doing it from. They don't have to get on a plane, travel to the games. With someone like Brady who's saying he wants to spend more time with family, I would assume, John, that any network is going to let him decide how he wants us to look and sound if he's willing to be on their airwaves. Yeah, and why I think that's that's what uh, the, the Manning cast uh, brought is you don't have to follow the career director trajectory of a Drew Brees or a Tony Romo. You can pick your, your spots out, and if you were to have an alternate telecast featuring Tom Brady and some of his friends, yeah, like that's something that I think a lot of people – would tune into in the similar way that they, that they do it with Peyton Manning. Although the, the one difference is uh, you could tell from uh, Peyton's Saturday night live appearance, <laughs> he's a bona fide television star. Yeah. Like he's just, he, he's just, a, he's great on television and he, and, and he just, he owns that medium. Does Tom Brady? I don't know. I don't know if he would or not. Yeah. I, I mean, you see Peyton Manning's personality and I got to tell you, even Eli has surprised me with the personality and, and sense of humor that he has. And I just don't see Brady as being, I mean, he's great in the matches, the golf tournaments and stuff, but to carry a broadcast like the Manning brothers have, I don't know that he has that in him. Yeah. Eli was a hidden star for me of the, uh, of the Manning cast. He just had the sort of almost subversive sense of humor with that little grin that he got going. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I I thought he was a uh, he was a lot of fun, At, but beyond being fun, they were smart about football, and they just it was like it was like a radio show. They were talking about the football, and they were you know talking about just a general entertainment. I thought it was great. Well, and they bring content out of those guests because they have relationships with them that you and I can't get out of those people because we don't have that same relationship. So I think that's a a hidden gem as well as far as the Manning cast goes. I bring up Ray Lewis every time with that. Ray Lewis was on ESPN, and it was just sort of like a run-of-the-mill. He didn't stand out at all as an analyst on ESPN. On the Manning cast, he had me belly laughing. Like the, 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 just the interplay between yeah. the three of them just was fantastic. John Oran, sports media reporter for Sports Business Journal, co-host of the Marshan and Oran podcast. Find it on podcast platforms everywhere. Follow John on Twitter at Oran underscore sbj john thanks so much for joining me and hopefully i'll run into you in person at super bowl well hopefully i'll be there all week thanks for having me on brian well that's it for this edition of sports business radio thanks for tuning in thanks to our show staff brian griggs and josh blank and thanks to our partner molka sports for powering sports business radio learn more about them online at molka sports.com that's m-a-l-k-a sports For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.